Hey everybody and welcome to Honest Pod, where each week we pick something to ramble on about. Current events. Personal growth. Lilac walls. <laughs> and job hunting. Um, and I'm, Ash- I'm Ashley McAllister. And I'm Matthew Eddy. And this is the wonderful episode 92. Ninety-two. What a great Oof. milestone that is! Almost at handy. Almost. Our centurion yeah, yeah. episode is coming up. Oh my god! Oh. I'm really excited. And yeah. as, as if we couldn't make this episode any more special than being just a remarkable number, we are joined by a guest who's going to be joining us later on. The wonderful John Henry. So, for those who don't know, and I would raise my hand up that it was me until about a month ago. But the third Sunday in January is World Religion Day. And our friend John is deacon with Church of England. And he joined us to share his story because he's got a very interesting story about, um, you know, being a gay guy, finding faith, coming out in both worlds. Um, and then, yeah, so do, do, do listen. He's going to be joining us in a few minutes to tell us about that. But we want to give a big, big, big shout out off the bat to our very new Patreon Andrew McDowell our first one of the year brilliant Andrew Drew we know him as Drew you might have heard him mentioned on the podcast before Drew one of our (laughs) one of our oldest friends and I mean age wise um (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, but yeah, one of our one of our loveliest, one of the I think one of the very first people I met in London uh, that I still talk to today. So yeah, uh, my first picture of him showed up of me and him, and it was ten years ago. And it's mad to think like this how long I've been friends with some of these people. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's actually insane. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, again, Drew probably I'm probably I met Drew about thirteen years ago. I'd say you're both quite old. Mm, we are old. And wise and beautiful. But, Drew, thank you so much for becoming a Patreon. Um, Your support means the world to us. Uh, You know, for those who don't know, um, because we've not mentioned this season yet, but we have a Patreon account where you can sign up and support the podcast financially um, as one of the ways to support the podcast. And Drew has selected one, and it just means that, you know, you give us a little bit of money every month, and it helps pay for things like equipment, um, editing, software uh, and then you know marketing um social posts and that type of thing so it, it is it is um greatly appreciated and like i said it's only one way to support the podcast and it does mean a lot to all our patreons out there um so thank you very much guys and obviously another way to share the podcast is just be part of the conversation whether it be share stories comment be engaged like matt and i are making a, a huge effort to make it a bit more engaging for the sense of getting you guys to suggest content so be feel feel free to suggest content um one of the nice things patreons get to do is actually suggest a topic that we can cover so um drew if you're listening to this make sure you get that over we'll be in touch and we can talk about that um but yeah i just what a great start of the season for our podcast is to first of all have john henry on in a couple of minutes to talk about stuff (laughs) Mm. um and then having another friend drew um, support our podcast in that way it's just remarkable oh it's amazing it's an amazing start to the year so thank you very much drew and thank you for everyone that listened to our first episode mm. and hopefully you were able to listen to our first segment which was movies with matt mm-hmm. um and we even you know i was talking to someone and they thought that maybe the character of robert de niro for example was a good representation of gay men and it was nice just to have a little conversation about our opposing views and stuff mm. um and we'll go on to the episode later on but we've got another segment coming on monday which is agony ash yeah so our favorite um what is the word i was gonna say auntie but that's not true because that's a black thing i feel like oh. <laughs> but um, um karen maybe? our therapist <laughs> no, i can't remember what the word is yeah but ash is gonna spread some wisdom on monday for a little segment i'll be spreading uh, something so, yeah, all right yeah, spreading yeah, yeah. my manner. So please, 
listen to the episodes um, on Spotify or anywhere else you find your podcasts. Yes, for sure, for sure, for sure. Um, but we've got a good episode coming up. But just quickly, Matt, in five, what is your what has been three things that have been you've been the most grateful for this week? Three things. Oh my god, this one's what? Uh, one of them is. I grew up not liking mashed potatoes, but it turns out I'm really good at making them. Making what, um, sorry? So I'm really grateful that I'm... Mashed potatoes. Oh. I always thought mashed potatoes was second from the bottom worst potato of all kinds. No. After boiled. Boiled is bad. It's, you know, boiled is bad. Boiled is stupid. Um, but I'm really thankful that I make good mashed potatoes with leeks in it. I love mm. leeks. Um, the other thing I'm thankful for is watching, I watched this film with my mum called Stage Mother, and it was like this super gay film with those drag queens, and she had to sit through the whole thing. <laughs> and I was sitting there, and I was like, oh shit, should we watch this? And then she was like, no. I was like, yeah, let's do it. Uh, and the last thing is, um, I have no idea. Well, I'll jump in three, by three, little... and then you come back to your third. Uh, I'm grateful for, I went for a nice run, my first run of the year, very small run, but a run nonetheless, uh, and that was fun. The second thing I'm grateful for is flying back to London um, and being here. Not that I don't like being at home, but obviously different crowd and different experiences and, uh, and hopefully a start of a new, nicer year. Um, and then the third thing is just the, the wonderful people I have around me right now. I just, I'm so grateful for, like, my mum has been amazing. Obviously, you, Matt. Um, has she been? She has. I, lo you know, I love my mum as much as we argue um, and have disagreements, and she annoys the hell out of me. Uh, hey, I'm sure I annoy her as well. But, yeah, no, it's good. It's just nice, it's just nice to take time to reflect on those around us uh, in, whatever, uh, in whatever concept they take, whether it be family or friends <laughs> or whatever. And that's kind of similar to guess what my third one would be is because I've moved back home. I've been spending a lot of time with my nephew mm. and I may have said it before on the podcast. I've definitely said it in life, but one of the, I don't have many regrets, but I do regret not spending time with him in these first 10 years of his life really at all. Mm. Um, but you know, better late than never in some ways and actually spending time. I've spent a lot of time with him and helping him with his school. I take him skating mm -hmm. um, when the weather's good every day. We go rollerblading because he got some for Christmas. Nice. Um, and it's nice. Yeah. So I've been taking him because no one else was going to take him. And I thought, well, well, that's something we can do together. Mm. So I'm teaching him how to rollerblade, um, and that's been really, really sweet. It's really annoying. Kids are fucking annoying. I will say this: like, no matter what age they are, they're fucking horrendous. Yeah, but they're not that bad. <laughs> they can be. Oh, ball bad. Yeah, yeah. Ball bad. Yeah, we weren't going to talk about it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's why I speak like this on the podcast. Hey, hey, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Head up. Yeah. Um. So yes, that's right. If you're Curious Your camera's I, really high as well, by the way. And it is, yeah, because it's, it's on my desk. Um, if you're curious what we're talking about, this is now on YouTube, everyone. You can now see our lovely faces on YouTube. <laughs> and um, yeah, well, yes, we do. Um, well, maybe not. Actually, seems to be doing its own, its own job. But yeah, Matt, should we bring John in now and get this episode rolling? Let's do it. <laughs> Cool. Hey everybody, uh, we're joined today with um, our lovely friend and uh, guest, John Henry. Did you hear about our John? J John? Our John? Hey guys. He's a hard man, but he's a principled man. How are you keeping? Not too bad, not too bad. Um, getting over a dose of COVID, mm. which hasn't been fun, but I'm now back, you know, back up to, up to speed, just a lingering cough. So I'll, I'll try to use the mute button to uh, you know, avoid horrible coughing sounds. Yep. Polluting your I podcast. Just, I just learned last week that a dose of something means that you're ill. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a, um, yeah. Yeah. In Ireland. So if you need translation, then I can help. <laughs> well, I'm afraid, <laughs> I think Ash and I kind of know, have a very shared vocabulary. Yeah. So I think we'll be okay. But we'll, we'll try to keep you keep you up to speed, Matt. Don't worry. We'll, we'll, get lost. I've got my diluting juice. <laughs> we'll dumb it down for the English, John. That's what we're saying. <laughs> No oh! 
Um, so yes, John. John's a friend of ours from the rugby club. Um, John plays flanker. Well, used to. I think I'm moving moving further forward in the scrum. I think I'm probably now a solid solid second row, if not prop. But hey, you know, was your progress. Was your nickname not the seven sent from heaven? Is that not what they called you? I don't recall it, but I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. Absolutely. I think um, sure some some eyebrows might be raised from a few of the old boys, but um, yeah, great. Yeah. Let's, go, let's go with that. I think let's you called him the faithful flanker. The, fa- <laughs> the faithful flanker, yeah. Yeah, that's him. <laughs> um, so yeah, and then John John and I, we grew up in Northern Ireland. Uh, we only met whilst in London, but um, it became a very much a big tradition of mine, at least every Christmas, to come and spend a couple of nights, night or two, mm-hmm. with the Henrys um, in the mansion over in, outside Belfast. <laughs> Um, so big shout out to John's mom Denise, who um, quite uh, one of my favorite memories with your mom is when she joined us at Pride Belfast Pride a couple of years ago, and I think she had an absolute ball, didn't she? Will you be marching with us on Sunday, Rosemary? It was a very special day. Yeah, my, my first, my, all of our first prides in Belfast, and so it was yeah. the first time where it really came home. Um, it was, it meant a lot. It was good. Love a great day. Really good yeah. day. Yeah, and your and your brother Daniel and um, Amy came as well, which was yeah. We had a really mm-hmm. good night out afterwards, didn't we? So. We did indeed. We did indeed. We've had a few good nights out in Belfast. It's um, it's a great city to go out in. Matt, you should join yeah. us one time. I'd like to come. I'm a bit worried about um how cold it is because I feel like it's going to be freezing. Um, and I don't know what Belfast is like. I know I went to like the Republic of Ireland. And realise there are many, many black people. Are there many black people in Belfast and Northern Ireland in general? Not as many as London. You know, not as many as the as the rest of the UK. Um, um, sadly, obviously. I will show the bastards. But it's definitely much more cosmopolitan. When I left in two thousand, it was uh, it was awful. You know, the peace process had just started, but Belfast was just such a well, such an inward-looking place. Um, in the last you know ten years, especially the the, the whole city has bloomed much more international much more um diverse it's really well i guess i well i go back to down i'm only there for a few days a few weeks at a time mm. but i'm i've fallen in love with it again um, mm. and would have no problem bringing any of my friends from you know my, any backgrounds to the city for a good night out and i think the thing is yes the weather's rubbish or can be rubbish but if you know the right pub crawl route yeah. which ash and i do you know we can kind of coordinate so the time outside in the cold is minimal and the time inside drinking really good beer and good whiskey is is maximized yeah yeah Yeah. just as a just a a bit of a note on matt's cultural history of northern ireland he thought Sinn Féin and the troubles was a band (laughs) it's not a bad name actually i guess i mean it sounds like a band It sounds like music. I really love their songs. <laughs> Shin Fin Okay, I've never heard that, but yeah, I could... Um... That, that would give you an idea of which type of bars we should take uh, oh, yes. to when he comes over. <laughs> I just want to know if I'm going to pull or not, really. Republicans. Um, I pr- probably would, I think. You, you'll be, you will be special. You'll be even more special than you already are. So you'll love oh, it. Thank you. <laughs> um, so J- John's joining us today on the podcast because on Sunday the 17th of January, it is World Religion Day. And it happens the third Sunday of every January. Um, and it started back in 1950. Um, John, you are... Have you just qualified? Have you you've qualified now? You've finished <coughs> your studies? Uh, yes. So I, um, in June, or June, no, it was supposed to be June, but it was actually more it was September because of the COVID. I've been ordained a deacon, which is kind of, well, I've, I'm ordained a priest. Um, there, are, there are a few nuances in the way it works in the Church of England. I won't, I won't complicate it for you all, but essentially um, I'm um, a priest in the Church of England now, part-time. I'm still do, doing my old job four days a week, and then a day and a half I do church things. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So yeah, so John's joined us because he is a man of the cloth, and <laughs> <laughs> and um, like we said, it's it's World Religion Day, and we just thought we'd take this opportunity to get his lovely face on our podcast because that's right, guys, we are on YouTube, and um, I don't know if I told you that John, we're going on YouTube as well. No, you didn't, but that's well, great, I suppose. <laughs> that that beautiful face <laughs> is going to be on YouTube, <laughs> and um, yeah, we just thought we'd bring you on here, but your but your story because as a as a gay guy, you will mm-hmm. have a very unique experience 
from what others might perceive with regards to religion. I know in the past in the podcast we've talked a lot about Israel Folau, the rugby player from Australia, who was in the media for the wrong reasons and his connection yep. to the church. Yes. Um, and obviously they don't go hand in hand. His views and the religion and church don't go hand in hand. And it's really refreshing to have somebody on the podcast who is gay, has a different story, and by the sounds of it, you know, going into a career, a positive story with his religion and his faith. Did you hear about our John? He's a gay man now. Well, welcome, John. Um, <coughs> Thank you. So we just want to start off. Tell us a little bit about yourself, about your background, um, and what drove you forward into... What, when, when, was okay. your, when was your calling? Oh, gosh. Well, that, I think the calling is quite... is sort of towards the end. I think the... Yeah, I was born in Belfast, oldest of three brothers. Um, Realised I was gay when <clears throat> I was about 11 or 12, um, and sort of at the start of high school. Um, uh, but st- kept it very much to myself, for, you know, because of Northern Ireland at the time. And I was the oldest. I was the oldest child. I had no other frame, frame of references. It was still a. It wasn't a thing to be shared. Um, and it wasn't until I left Belfast, um, moved to London for university in 2000, that I felt you know, free to be open about my, my sexuality. And I didn't actually tell any of my old Belfast high school friends that I was gay until I'd left. You know, I was that scared of it all. Um, I was scared of the repercussions um, that, that would come. Um, and luckily, the, you know, the friends that I, the friendship had built up, I've, I've maintained and there was nothing to worry about. But it was, I think it was still, I felt necessary to do at the time. Um, and arriving in London, I was sort of free on multiple fronts, right? You know, you're, you're free to explore what your sexuality means to you. And I was also free to explore what um, sort of spirituality and faith meant. I, I, I was born into a family that were completely not religious. Um, my mum and dad were born and grew up in East Belfast to nominally Protestant um, families and communities, but they were so horrified by the, the nature of the, the religious environment that, that, that kind of was festering in the 60s, 70s and 80s in, in Northern Ireland, that they, they were happy to allow us to go to, the, to you know, my brothers and I, to go to a Sunday school to kind of just be part of the community and, learn, and do the, learn the basics. But the minute that I you know, turned 10 or 11 and started to ask questions about kind of the, the stories, that, the simplistic stories that were told, the minute I didn't want to be involved in that, they didn't push. So I kind of arrived in London, thankfully, without the kind of religious pressure and religious, um, uh, you know, scars. I guess you might you might say as well, that that many others do have, mm. very sadly. And then so London was London was the start of that kind of exploration on multiple fronts. Yeah, I think what's interesting is in Northern Ireland, um, religion religion can be very political. It's not probably what a lot of I imagine English people imagine religion to be like um so when you're talking there about the 70s and 80s obviously referring to the troubles it is it's it's coming from a place of being catholic and protestant wasn't just about where you where you practiced your religion it was more about where you could work what type of people you could hang out with what what areas you could live in mm-hmm. whether you can get a job whether you get you know rest you know please come into your aid at the time mm-hmm. um so it, it, it is a very different background of religion and I, I can again my family's very similar very non-religious and as soon as Sunday school ended we're like yeah we're not going back to church <laughs> <laughs> we're not going back no. I can still remember there was one one it was an evening like Sunday school thing I forget why, why I was there but I remember it was, it was led by by a young young youth leader in the in the local church and I'd just been I was in my little sort of 10 year old mind I'd been buying you know magazines about science there was a magazine called Quest or something, mm. um, and, and each week there was a new thing. And I, I, I remember, you know, I was fascinated by, with dinosaurs, and I remember <clears throat> bring it was the the the, the evening. There was discussion was some Genesis story, something about Noah, the Ark, whatever, whatever. One, one of the early kind of early Genesis stories, and um, I remember asking the guy, you know, what about dinosaurs? And I can still see his face in the look of kind of terror where he wasn't expecting to be challenged by this 10-year-old. Not a very complicated, not, not a very big question, but you could just see that he was panicked. And that was, I can still remember the moment of thinking, ah, you're full of, you're, you're, you're bullshitting here. <laughs> <laughs> um, and from then on, that was when I was sort of, you know, was 
didn't want to go and I was like you Ash I was really lucky that I had parents who didn't feel the cultural pressure um, and spiritual religious pressure to conform to that they were happy to give me space and time which I'm you know still grateful to for Mm. this day Mm. what's that like in Northern Ireland though to your parents and maybe even for you Ash if it's quite political and many people have faith or at least engage with the community as if they have faith your family don't did anything happen to them or to you did people say that you should be going to church or did your family have like a reputation for not being the religious ones not for not for me no go ahead john yeah i don't think for me either i think we were we were kind of lucky it wasn't just it was my, um, i know on my dad's side you know there were some more religious parts of, of the family mm. on my mum's side my mum's grandparents were quite um religious as well quite outraged by some of the the antics that they saw so it was i think we were lucky we we were in a a protective extended family environment where there was less risk of alienation and um prejudice there thankfully i I was i was just going to say i think a a lot of the pressure you might be saying matt in my opinion would probably come from within one's family rather than neighbors or something like that because i think in, in my experience a lot of people respect your privacy and your decision to do what you want to do in your own free time. So there would never have been like in our, like where we grew up, our neighbours wouldn't be like, well, you can't go down to that house because they didn't go to church on Sunday. It wasn't that type <laughs> of thing. It wasn't so much a a pretense to keep going and show face because mm. of the political divide, I guess. Mm. Um, and I guess maybe, I don't know, John, you might, maybe there is, and I, I'm too young to remember, but we grew up in an area which with religion that didn't match who we were so maybe it would be a bit rubbing it in the face if we were to go and practice not that we would but practice protestantism in a catholic area they might be like well look at them sure not i don't know yeah not, not know. that our neighbors would be because they're all really lovely people yeah i'm, I'm not i can't i'm not really don't really i didn't really experience any of that so mm. it's hard to say i got though i, I grew up in the, my mom and dad oh they were born in the center of belfast they progressively moved out of the city to where you to the to the house where you you know, which is you know you know fifteen twenty miles you know, fifteen miles south of Belfast, so it's in a rural environment, mm. which meant you weren't living with your next door neighbours. You weren't sort of completely exposed all the time. It was it was you know, yeah. another another good fortune, part of it all, to be out of the city, away from the troubles, away from the the violence and the, the tension. Um, and to be and away from the kind of ju- any any potential judgmental eyes of local communities. Mm. Mm-hmm. So so you move to London. You show up yes. in London, a man with little experience <laughs> with regards to his faith, and I guess at the time sexuality. Yep. Yep. Um, um, I I think the the way to, the way I often describe it is I arrived in London with a blank theistic slate. I had enough positive experiences with a couple of friends who were um, Christians and I couldn't figure out who kind of weren't the kind of judgmental um, God squatty type who were really smart, who took their faith and their beliefs very seriously and but were also very humble and gentle with it. So there were enough, I'd come up, I'd been exposed to enough of faith, enough of spirituality that gave me an openness to explore. And so I had, I kind of, I realized that trying to explore in, in Belfast for various reasons wasn't, would never work. So in London, that's when I started. So I went to university over in South Kensington and there were, you know, there was everything from uh, ultra conservative Roman Catholicism, like the most conservative uh, Catholic church in the UK, perhaps, to um, HTB, which is sort of a more charismatic evangelical conservative place to um, the Russian Orthodox Cathedral, you know, kind of all, so I was able, there was a, a, a smorgasbord of uh, theological and spiritual, um, you know, places to explore. And also, outside Christianity too, you know, mm. Buddhist temples, uh, you know, various different places. So I, I just over the years, you know, I would say over a period of five to 10 years, I, I, made, I made use of that, I really, and just started to, what what tickled your itch like what because you said there about when you were at um younger you quizzed the guy that's the sunday school teacher about the dinosaurs and you're like okay mm-hmm. well and then that's when you decided that you weren't that interested anymore when you got to london or was it before you got to london what made you think actually maybe there's something here worth exploring again maybe i um i think 
you know, I, I came to, I did physics at university, mm. um, and, and sort of intellectually, I'd always, I've always been interested in the idea of first principles of digging down and down and down to trying to understand the underlying nature of things and the reason for what we believe and what we can't believe and, and where, where kind of th- our ideas about the world become more difficult and more f- fuzzy. Mm. And I think that was just part of it. I've, um, the, you know, the, the Christian tradition, feel all, all faiths actually, but you know, in the Western world, Christian tradition is, has been interwoven with Greek thought, right? So it was really kind of intertwined with, 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 with philosophy. Um, and, and philosophy then verges into philosophy of science and, and philosophy of mathematics. And so I think it was kind of a whole, it was part of a broad spectrum of just a kind of an interest, yeah. as well as an underlying, you know, a feeling that A, having met enough and been exposed to enough Christians that inspired me, as opposed to made me repelled. Mm. and also realizing that there is having a sort of that kind of gut feeling as well there's something worth giving time to both in terms of you know there is something there to think about and to explore and also in terms of sort of more spiritual sort of broader spirituality the the benefits of of spiritual practice of being aware of your spiritual health and your which then links into your psychological and emotional health too so there was a, a range of of interest points that I think I kind of started to weave together that kind of kept me going through the the, the, the high times and the low times. Cool. cool when cool. you say like the benefits of some of the spiritual aspects, what do you mean? What kind of benefits for you? Or do you um, think there are for others? I, I think, I think, well, I, I'm, I'm kind of thinking about the, 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 the kind of the Eastern and Western ancient not, uh, understanding of, of silence, of meditation, of prayer, of introspection, of just of, uh, thinking about your thoughts, your emotions, where they come from, um, the, the things that you guys talk about, you know, on, on a weekly basis. It's more a case of that process is not new. You know, it's sort of it's been it was done five thousand years ago in Athens, um, and, and the, the experience of that was was written. It was done several thousand years ago in by the kind of the Jewish, the ancient Jewish tribes, and that wisdom has sort of come has been sort of solidified in different ways. Um, and I find personally that drawing on that wisdom, that practical wisdom, is something that's really helpful. Uh, not not in terms of it's, it's set in stone. I mean, because not, nothing it's never you know the things the things that have to be reinterpreted and kind of explored and developed. Mm. Um, but I think the kind of even just things of prayer and meditation are topics that are very important for I think people's overall well being. Um, and they mm. so it's. So that's one to start off with, at least, I'd say. I'm definitely a fan. I like to meditate, to be fair. I feel like I don't have faith. I don't have a faith in, in I guess, in the higher being or something. You know, like my background is um, we used to go to church and then um, and there's a Catholic church. It's always been Catholic here in, in for us in North London. And my mum has always said that, you know, she believed in God and she and she was religious. But then she stopped going to church, but sent us to go mm-hmm. because she needed us to iron. <laughs> like a great Catholic mum. Wonderful. Love yeah. it. Love it. <laughs> She's like, I've got too much ironing to do. Um, you boys need to go to church because you go to Catholic school and we need to get your brother to go as well. So I went to like a Catholic secondary school um, and I was even confirmed, actually. So okay. quite late to that. Yeah. So I was confirmed once I'd gone to secondary school because there was a bunch of kids that hadn't been. But I feel like even through all of that time, like I'd never had, I feel like if you're saying there's something in your gut, maybe through all your entire life when you came to London, I think it's there or it kind of isn't if you've got that belief in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe some people do change as they become an adult, but that's because they may have been questioning it the entire time, but left it to one side, potentially. Um, maybe events happen in people's lives, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think about things, I don't know, I do like the idea of having like, um, a spiritual feeling without being able to define it in some way I guess that makes sense um, I think it's, it's it's like what you're saying it sounds very familiar and it's often at the at the point where it's very, language fails and you um, we, we struggle to find the words to express that thing and we're, we're rightly quite um, cautious because it we're, you know it, it feels a bit strange and, and dangerous actually because a lot of people respond to these 
feelings and go off and then do things that you know you guys have talked about in, in the past like the road the path from the path that starts on kind of in, in abstract interest and faith but dr- dr- leads people to beliefs that are incredibly damaging and dangerous and toxic we're it, we're rightly people are rightly aware um, cautious of that so i can totally mm-hmm. see where you're where you're you know where you're reticence would be there makes a lot of sense to me mm. there are some do you remember ash in one of the podcasts we spoke about the um, i think it was last summer the stabbings or the killings in reading park in a park in reading mm. yes four, it was four guys um, were killed right the guy with the guy it was, was, it was yeah it was three guys and there was three others that were injured and the person okay. who did it had said he'd done it um as part of his religious belief um and it's difficult because those are quite they're examples of extremism you know that people that will latch onto and say that this is you know this is why you shouldn't do certain things or believe in certain things but it's not really um i think that's unfair to pin things on those singular examples yeah i think um it's, it's easy because it's most visible you know the negative the, the negative asp- expressions of religion are so are so available and so present have been hopefully less so as time goes on but they're still there um whereas the kind of the boring dull subtle positive aspects are often very hard to see and take a lot of time to kind of appreciate and who knows who can do this i think it's a it's an impossible weighing up of good and bad none of us have, have all the knowledge to say you know overall can we be sure whether it's net positive yeah. <laughs> but um so just moving on from there and then, so you, you, you mentioned obviously that your, your, your family weren't a religious family. You started to show an interest, grew, um, and then I guess you went to church every Sunday? Not every Sunday, but I would start to, uh, I think it was a bit more fair to say that I would um, attend church services which could be even song or morning prayer or sunday services at a, on a semi-regular basis over the years that i find helpful I, I feel like if you went to xxl on a saturday and then got home at 6 a.m maybe you weren't going to church on a sunday <laughs> i i have to say I, there were, t- were many a time where i was able to do that but the thing is i can't stay i, I was always you know me I, I i was always the one that was leaving xxl by two anyway whether or not i was up at up at um Ten for church or not? So uh, I think I think it didn't really bother me. Um, <laughs> but yes, there were some. There were indeed some nights when church did, or day, Sundays when church didn't happen because of rather late ones. Let's put it that way. <laughs> As an ordained priest, yeah, can you now still attend XXL and or go to some of the other areas within that club? <laughs> so, answer question one: Yes, attending these places absolutely. Um, I mean, of course, there's um, it's a social environment. You're totally still, you're totally, you how you behave in these places is still part of you know. You can still you can go and enjoy XXL in many different ways, and you can enjoy XXL without going to all the places that other that, you, that others might do. And that does not may not mean that you're judge you're you're making a, a judgmental statement about A or B or C behaviors. You but you might say that actually it's just not for you your, your personal mm. preference. I judge. Um, I judge all the time. Well, of course, you, we all do judge. <laughs> we do judge. We don't, we don't say that, actually. Uh, uh, and I, so I think it's, yeah. So the, there's, there's definitely not a binary a binary sort of, yeah, these are the things you, you can do, places you can go, and these are the things you can't. What there is is um, ask, constantly asking yourself, are you behaving in a way which you really feel is authentic to the things that you think you believe in and you, the values that you hold sacred? Mm. Um, you know, so there's a, there's a reasonable question of, are you living with a sense of integrity? Um, mm-hmm. And that's, I think that's right, right and good. And people will have different answers to that, mm. depending on their perspectives. And there will be some things, I think, which push the boundaries, right? Really, in terms of care for yourself, care for others, respect for others, depending on, on your particular ethical framework. But I think... I think it's wrong to place really kind of rigid assumptions about what is and what is not acceptable. Mm. Mm. Um, and then just, can you talk about uh, when you went, I want to say the term come out, when did you come out to your family as a Christian? <clears throat> well, I, I first, oh yeah, indeed. So yeah, which coming out, I came out as a Christian after 
I came out as gay. And, and your mum was like, oh, God, as if it couldn't yeah, get any we worse. Can, we can, we can, there are places you can go where people can, we, we, where there's weekend camps where you can go and be deeply Christian, okay? <laughs> it's okay. We, we, I've got, we've got the pamphlet. It's fine. Uh, Here's 50 quid. <laughs> go get yourself a hooker. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, it wasn't, obviously, it wasn't quite like that, but it was, there was definitely, I, um, I was terrified. Yeah. Um, of having to come out as Christian. And I, I, to be honest, I'm terrified right now doing this with you guys because I was very, you know, I was part of the Steelers from 2005 in that kind of laddish, gay, you know, it's really, quite rightly people had zero interest in, zero public interest in kind of talking about in, in spirituality. It wasn't part of the, the thing. Mm. And I was terrified of being viewed either with sympathy as in oh dear this guy's lost his mind poor poor john yeah. he's a nice guy but oh dear we thought he was intelligent but he's obviously come some kind of you know, idiot he's one or, of them or viewed with with disgust as in oh my goodness you this guy's betraying everything that he's supposed to be mm. you know part of um and i think from my, on my parents side my family said i was worried that they thought that i'd you know i sort of snapped and somehow <laughs> I was going to change in the same way. I was worried that whenever I was came out as gay, that I was terrified. That my brothers thought that I I would change in behaviour because I, I wasn't kind of, you know, you guys know me forever, and I I have a level of you know, I present the way I am mm. on on a certain combination of campness, whatever that means. But what I am is what I am in a, in a kind of a very kind of matter of fact way in a very dull boring way um and it's the same thing with 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 my with, with my kind of faith it's like it hasn't it's changed me a bit but i'm still the same person so i was really scared of being judged and being kind of people view, changing their you know impressions of me i mean it was, it was one of my kind of weaknesses being worried about what other people think so yeah coming out took it took, took a while it took a lot of time of you know sneaking off to church but um, when I was living, sharing, you know, I remember sharing, you know, flats in London, and just disappearing on a Sunday morning, and hoping I wasn't asked about it, um, or being back in Belfast sometimes when we with my family and disappearing off on a on a on a Sunday evening to Evensong in Belfast, um, saying yeah, I'm going to see some friends, and I felt, oh, wow. I mean, it felt so stupid. I mean, looking back, how how silly was it? But it wasn't honest. It was a really sincere concern about. You know what what it meant for other people and the worry or fear or anger that it would cause with them. Was it increased? What has the response been? Sorry. Sorry go ahead. Say again, Matt. What has the response been? Oh, or how has it been then? I think when they when they first realised first of all that I, I was sort of a I was interested in in, in Christianity it was what was stage one right um, when I would be more open about heading off to church they'd be kind of they would sort of smile and ask questions but my brothers and my mum and dad are, were, were very close and very loving and, and gentle so there was there was always kindness and, and just sort of you know um, love and concern nothing nothing more and, and, and happy and happy for me that I was I was exploring it when it came to giving them letting them know that I was thinking of becoming a priest you know that's that sort of you know going from level two to level eight of insanity <laughs> in many ways um, and there was the kind of concern of, have you thought this through? Are you doing it for the right reasons? And it, it was the spark for lots of good discussions. And I think it's to, all, the only thing that you can do is take time to have those discussions, let people hear what you're saying, listen to the responses as well, you know, listen to other people's opinions, get their feedback of whether they see anything that feels a bit strange. Because um, it's, it's you don't just these kind of things don't just happen overnight. It is, it is a long a long process of mm. discernment, and the church makes sure of that too. Um, so it was you know it was been it's been overall lovely, um, and I think as well I would say my concern with on the rugby side and the Steeler side, I, as you can imagine, I've received a healthy amount of banter and <laughs> a healthy amount of abuse, and I can't, but also a, um, some really lovely signs of support and. And respect as well you know people aren't always even though people do have concerns and doubts and um, are distrusting in certain ways they also they, they, they know me they've gotten to know me over the years so 
that's that the strength of that relationship has been has sort of held mostly. I think it's what links back to what you said um, earlier on is people's experiences with people from the church will dictate them how they respond to people from the church. Um, like for example, your your experience you mentioned when you're dipping your toes in um, in in your faith was that you're surrounded by really positive people who weren't like I guess for use of a better word extreme um, and it made you comfortable and you got to explore it at a pace and, and, and in a way that you wanted to and I guess when you like when a lot of people now who maybe don't know very many religious people their experience of people who are religious are those who make the headlines um, and it's a bit negative uh, so I can imagine it's a bit of a uphill battle for you at times because people have their perceived um, point of view before they come talk yeah i think I've, i'm you know you, you guys know me i'm fairly cynical about things in general uh, i'm i'm fairly i'm very aware that the general certainly in, in 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 modern uk culture the 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 average opinion of the church is based on the last 1500 years mostly of not entirely great things there's lots of good things, but some horrific, many, many, many horrific things that are still happening. And so you can't expect, it's, it's unsurprising that people's st standard reaction to all things, all things religion is one of, you know, a bit of distrust. Mm. And uh, as someone who's supposed to be kind of now in a kind of public facing kind of role, I have to kind of, I do set my expectations. I'm quite honest about the fact that I'm only one person, and individual priests are just one, pe one, one people, and and so we just have to. I think all we can really hope to do is individually, one by one, try to behave in ways which counteract that history. The worst, the, uh, try to behave in ways which celebrate and build upon the best parts of what religion can be and has been, mm. and really counteracts the large corpus of negativity that has been has come through and still does come through you know religious religious life it's quite mm. a when you, when you it's it, i don't like to think about it too much because it's quite it's quite overwhelming but mm. that's the task ahead really mm. what is what is your experience your in particular experience about, being about being gay, gay and christian and then also a gay, gay priest and <laughs> like the community in general though because to me, like, it makes, I, I feel like there would be some sort of internal conflict where you're like, you know, can I be gay and religious? Then again, can I be gay and a priest? Um, should I be? Might be even a question, to be fair. Um, so what is your experience in terms of your actual faith, but then also, what do you call it your calling and, and your sexuality? Super. I mean, it's huge questions. Let me try to kind of slice it up a little bit. I think, um, I think that it's important, first of all, to, to, demarcate the question of the underlying set of faiths you know because from my perspective from a philosophical theological perspective the the nature of kind of the tr the truth of the Christ of christianity is quite um it has nothing to do with my sexuality right so either whether or not i'm gay from a, from a this is the scientist to me i think you know that you we, there's something about trying to discern the, the the value of a set of ideas or beliefs with uh, as impartial a, a perspective as possible that's just that's the way I kind of work um, so I've tried for the longest time to do the groundwork with an impartial in, uh, entry point where sexuality didn't come into it then of course you, can, you, you we're all we're all human beings, and we can't avoid that part of who you are. And so then you ask yourself, well, okay, where might, how might um, the the fact of my experience weave into this um, emerging faith structure? And where, as you say, where, in which traditions and in which parts of the faith is there perceived conflict? And where and, and where is there not? And so it's been a case of um, sort of in a, in a steady way going through the, the, the assumptions that a lot of people have about this perceived conflict about sexuality, you know, your gender and all the all, all things to do with gender sexuality being in somehow conflict with 
A, a belief in God, B, in a belief in a God that gives a crap about human beings, and C, a belief in God even more that actually loves individuals. Like, you know, like, um, and what's interesting when you actually, you know, go into theology and philosophy in a, in a, in a, I believe in a more rigorous way, in a, more, in, a, in a way that I think is quite mainstream now, certainly within the Church of England and more moderate, all moderate churches, you realize that the perceived conflicts are very particular. They are not at all the only way that the world works. They are based on assumptions about scripture, tradition, and um, that are somewhat dubious to say the least. And that you're not alone, that, that the, the, the idea that you're totally okay and more that you are celebrated in your sexuality is not that radical. It is obviously radical for some people and for large portions mm. of the church and history, yes. But actually in modern theological thought and spirituality, it's actually, I'm not, I'm not unusual. It's not a, a conflict. It, it doesn't need to be a conflict. Um, I think the whole thing kind of comes back to the, the way you approach faith and, the, and, and spirituality and, and, and ethics. And there's a, there was a guy in the 16th century, a guy called Richard Hooker. He was a priest and he, was, he, he developed this idea of your faith being built on like a, like a, a stool, a chair of four, three or four legs. And the, one was scripture, one's tradition, one's reason. And then more modern, you can say experience. And the idea being that for anything that's healthy and secure and stable and kind of solid, you really have to engage these four um, perspectives in a balanced way. And if there's any imbalance, that's when things topple, that's when things become become skew. And for me, by having a, by, by working quite hard over the years to explore those four um, perspectives, I've ended up at a place where the conflicts that you that our people assume in terms of sexuality and faith just aren't there. I don't know. You say you keep saying assume or it's an assumption, but I would say I, I don't know if that would necessarily be true. But then I might get it just from the media perspective or whatever. But there was quite a big backlash, say, from the Pope recently saying that everyone deserves a family, for example. Mm-hmm. So that's something that happened, as opposed, I believe, unless I'm wrong. Yeah. That um, Pope the Pope has said. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Right. And, and that, that received a negative response mm-hmm. in uh, an event. So to me, that's not necessarily an assumption. That's something that happened. Yes, you are right. There are there is a continued large proportion of let's let's take well it's Christian, but let's say Christian, Islamic, and Jewish people across the world whose particular faith understanding and expression is remains that there is a fundamental disjoint between um, essentially the love of God of uh, you know of their belief and sexual identity. And but I'm what I'm what I'm kind of I, I, I think I really hope to share is that whilst that is still highly visible and still um, you know very significant and still very problematic and needs to be tackled, there is also a very significant, very very significant um, growth in a much more healthy, progressive, balanced view. And I think um, if you think about with Pope Francis, for example his little statements his, he he is dealing with one of the most comp- difficult archaic horrific organizations ever right the vatican church <laughs> and so uh, you could still argue he could, be, he could be pushing more but the very fact that someone in his position is making these statements and slowly trying to change the underlying assumptions of the, of the, of the catholic church anyway and that's happening in other in other denominations too to greater or lesser extent, mm. but I'm not, but you are right. Like it's it's silly for me to pretend that it's all that for everybody. It's okay to be gay and Christian because for many people it's not still. Mm. Mm. I think, I think, In my research, I, oh, go on. I was gonna say a lot of people have that, that that their own battle where it's it's not so much about them being both, but it's them being one and their family being the other, um, and then you you've you've got the uphill battle of trying to convince a family that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I can't even imagine. I, I'm very, very lucky that I didn't live in the situation, and I know, and you know, that I've had personal experience with with um, people, friends, people I've cared for who have been completely rejected mm. due to their 
um, their family's um, faith, and it's it's horrific, mm. absolutely horrific. And I, yeah, I can't even begin to convey how horror, how much it horrifies me when there's that kind of um, bigotry and prejudice. You know, it's it's okay. It's it's one thing to express concern about a particular spiritual religious belief, and it's 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 okay to actually completely disagree and to criticize mm. someone else in a, in a respectful loving way but when it comes to alienation and rejection mm. i can't see how that equates with theological spiritual christian islamic jewish love i can't that that's where that's that's insane to me yeah i mean you and i've had many a drunken debate <laughs> <laughs> that's the best kind, best yeah. kind. <laughs> we we tend to get back to your house after a night out in belfast we open up the pate and cheese, and I'm like, "So, tell me about God." Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I love those. Are, those are the best conversations. Absolutely. I forget them by the next day. I'm too drunk. But <laughs> probably, for the, probably for the best. Actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Matt, were you going to ask something there? So I jumped in. Uh, the only thing I was going to mention is that um, I was looking at. I was trying to research about maybe like religions or institutions that promote or support religious ones. That is, um, and there's something in the world called the Metropolitan Community Church. Mm -hmm. Um, and they are um, now around the world and they started in America, but they actively have people. Um, they started in particular to promote diversity and inclusion Absolutely. in all kinds, both sexual orientation, gender, race, um, everything. And there's one like in North London and it's around the world. So that I guess there are, are areas out there that actually want you to come in and accept you for who you are in any which way. Absolutely. And I, I, I part of my kind of, across London journey over the years I, I, I went along to the MCC up in Camden it's just behind um, Camden station and what they, they've done wonderful things you know they they're, they're because they're they're, a, a, they're not a traditional dom denomination you know it's they're um, they're kind of very uh, you'd say they're Protestants liberal Protestant as in they don't they're not part of the of a, of a wider church it's um, uh, it's given them a lot of freedom to be creative and to uh, offer that breadth um, to mm. people, and especially people who are very damp, who have had really ho horrible experiences with mm. traditional expressions of, of Christian faith, um, <clears throat> they, they serve a really important function. I guess what I would say is it's interesting that uh, well, I think it's there's a there's a kind of a spectrum of those sort of churches, um, because and actually what's what's really exciting for me is that there are now churches within other denominations, you know, in the Church of England, who actually in terms of welcome and celebration and diversity there's no real difference between mcc and, and a particular and some and some church of england churches and then the interesting question is well if you're a queer person lgbtq plus person then you, then then the gay thing becomes irrelevant then you actually have to go and think about well what other aspects of how they express their faith are important to me which mm. is quite which is quite refreshing and quite fun mm. you know What's mad is when I was looking, I was talking about people that were becoming priests. And this is more like, these are people that had left um, the deep sort of religious areas in the Vatican in particular because they disagreed with it. But there were these, it's more hearsay I would say than anything, but there were these underlying things where they're saying the majority of deacons and priests tended to be gay men. And actually a lot of them were in the closet. And I wanted to understand that. Why do you think it would be gay men as opposed <coughs> to anyone else that might be um, more prone to becoming priests? I think... It's, it's hard to speak about speak too far in the past it's hard to know about like what the world was like in victorian england but if you think about the way the world has been in the, you know in, in the average english village or town or irish village or town actually anywhere actually anywhere where it's conservative if you're a young man and you're in your 20s and you realize that having a wife is going to be impossible for you what do you do mm. You know, it's yeah. you're you're forced into a lots of in introspection because you're, you're you're totally by yourself. All you have is your thoughts, <laughs> books that you can find. It draws you into kind of deep thinking, and then you've got this organisation that guarantees you a place to live, and most importantly, guarantees you that the people stop asking you questions about when are you going to find a wife. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then in, in, in then the, those the, that community of um, gay priests become almost almost like a kind of extended family, in which they still do in many ways. Certainly, mm. priests of, of older men who've grew up in times where where, where, where we didn't have the same where 
who did not have the same luxuries as we have in terms of being able to be whatever, whoever the hell we want to be, um, they still do. They still, they still, they, they live their lives celibate, or, 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 or at least not married, um, with the protection of the church. And the whole other question of whether that's right, <laughs> you know, let's not. We can go there if we want to, but I think there's the the motivation. If you can engage with the, if you find, if you're able to engage with theology and the Christian faith, and you're drawn by it enough, as a gay man in the 50s or 60s and 70s in the UK, you could totally see why the Church, the church of England anyway would be attractive. Rightly or wrongly. <laughs> um, John, you mentioned um, uh, earlier on about, obviously, today's people's experience, maybe I mentioned it, people's experience of the media or the, the stories of religion that make the media. Um, do you think those sort of stories are partly, at least partly, behind what is the decline in attendance in church these days? Because um, I just did some digging and some statistics I found on Statista would say that the weekly average um, attendance at church has dropped since 2009 to 2018 by at least 211,000 a week. Yes. So. Yeah, so it's like, is that I mean maybe one percent of the church, one percent of the UK maybe go to church once a month or something like that. It's a tiny yeah. fraction now. Yeah. Um, um, and do I think do I think it's I mean do I do, do I, th I think are you asking what I think the causes are or what's the well I was, I was, I was, the point I was going to get onto was you know obviously the the, the church has been in the the news um, a lot well to me it always stands out for bad reasons. Mm -hmm. um, I'm maybe not really looking at the articles that, for good reasons, my eyes are just drawn to the drama. No. But um, <laughs> I'm not that real housewives of the church, <laughs> <laughs> like the real house, the, the real housewives of the Church of England. Oh um, my God, that would oh be so God. lit. <laughs> that could definitely work. Oh no, that yeah. might happen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd love it. <laughs> but do you know what? I I always I always envision myself to make a good like wife of somebody who was because I could never. Be of the cloth, but I would, you know, I would attend you the galas, the attend the vates. I could do the flowers in the church. Do you make? Do you make nice sandwiches and, and scones for the for the garden parties? Yeah, they'd all be gluten free. No, they won't be nice. Yeah, they'd be sorry, delicious. Yeah, sorry, uh, be, uh, listen, this is not a time to throw prejudices around like that. I mean, this is I've, not the right Zoom call. Would you? So, are you saying you'd like me to set you up with a couple of gay priests that I know? Is that right? No, that is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, um, the point I was going to get onto was, what can the church Actually, do? Actually, sorry, go ahead. Oh, Matt, do you need a gay priest? Well, I was going to say, that's actually interesting. Like, I wonder what it would be like to be a single gay priest who is then able, because I don't know what the rules are about whether you can or cannot have relationships and sex and for marriage. I don't know, well, you know, you need to be celibate. <laughs> but I imagine there are groups of people that can have relationships and to be a priest and be gay. Yes. Yes. God, what would it be like to tell someone on like Tinder or Hinge or something, being like, "I'm a priest," and they'd be like, "Okay, bye." It's. I mean, it's. It's not. You're not. You're talking about a very common thing. There are lots of priests who are terribly lonely, because, um, you know, for for fair reason, you tell you say you're a priest. People make very strong assumptions. They're obviously very. There's reasons to be scared about that. Um, and so the response can be thanks but no thanks. Everything from oh that's really nice but thanks but no thanks to oh my god you're a nutcase religious loon get away from me block block block. Um, and where and where on the spectrum are you, John? In terms of religion, being, being a religious, religious nutter. <laughs> yeah. So I I, no, I think it's a very good question. I think I think in order to be a priest, <laughs> on, there's a scale of say zero to a hundred of, of insanity. Yeah. Right. So you you have to be crazy enough to want to do it. Mm. But then you can't be so crazy that the they, the church is like, whoa, you're this guy's nuts. You can't mm. get in. And I think the the window is is like very 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 small window of being just crazy enough to want to do it, but not so crazy that you can't do it. Mm. And that's why it takes a lot. It took it took a lot of time to figure out that was I really, you know, was it really for me? Um, it was not an easy. I mean, this is not something that you choose. Like I don't choose lightly. Well, I remember you didn't choose it lightly. Was a yeah. massive, and massive, and still is. I still sort of think, wow, gosh, I'm actually, 
unofficial Christian. <laughs> it really kind of freaks me out still, but I'll, I'll, I'll have to get used to it. Oh. It'll be really exciting. Can you marry same-sex people? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah, uh, have you done it? Not yet. No. No. Well, uh, sorry. There's there is there's marriage civil there's like nuances in terms of marriage civil partnerships, and it also depends on the way the Church of England works. If you it's, it's kind of um it's very diocesan specific. Some dioceses, some areas are more conservative than others, and there are some churches that are still ultra conservative and would refuse to even uh, consider a civil partnership. And, and the priest in that, in, that, in that church wouldn't be allowed to. Other mm-hmm. churches are very, very progressive and be, would be happy with it. So there's the, um, there is a, a degree of complexity in the Church of England right now. Uh, and, and a strong degree of tension, very strong degree of tension, um, that, that the leadership of the church is dealing with. Um, uh, it's not easy. If you're, in, mm-hmm. if, if you're inside, the, I, I can tell you there's a vast amount of... Um, disagreement and distrust um going uh, and but there's there is there are processes underway to try to rebuild those those relationships that's i the, mean it sounds like this should be a tv show this i was going to say that's the season finale right well, there can I recommend, oh my god in terms of tv shows can i recommend rev to you guys bbc um, oh yes that's good um yeah. comedy series there are three series um yeah. with tom hollander yep. and olivia coleman. olivia coleman and it is utterly superb it is it's, i would love well, I think it's superb anyway. So. It, it's filmed up in the church they use so, is the one up in Shoreditch. Shoreditch. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they, um, I remember they're filming it because I used to work in, used to work in Shoreditch High Street, then up in Huxton Square, and I remember them filming it whilst I was going up and down to work. So, yeah. There you go. And it is, it is a, it is, it's comedy, but it is very, very, very documentary like. London, London priests just we look, we, we watch it and just cringe because. It's very true to life. Very yeah. funny. Yeah. Is there a priest LGBTQ society? Yes. Oh my god, this is so sick. And there is, there are, <laughs> and, and there are different types. There's, there, are, there are kind of um, communities of priests that are explicitly in- inclusive. So it's not just LGBTQ plus, but it's everybody who's willing to be open and kind of affirms. You know, so it's it's, it's straight people, it's straight straight male and female priests as well. Oh, and then see. there are then there are more when there there have always been more secret private groups of people who are, for various reasons, still unable to be public, and still require the report that that kind of support. So there's different different types of, of groups. It's a very dynamic thing still. I would love it the same way that the Steelers go to XXL on a big night out. I would fucking love it if a group of priests just rocked up. Just their chair, like their, oh, I don't even know what it's called, a thing around the neck. But then like a robe, but it was just like open and then little leather harnesses underneath. Oh my God. How um, good would that be? Just the whole group of this rock up like we do. So I'm still a junior priest and I'm still training and I'm st- I still need to be good. So I'm not, I'm saying no comment on that, on that one. I'm going <laughs> to, no comment. Come, come, I know a good night out. There's a lot of single guys. Mm, we'll see, we'll see. <laughs> wow. Wow, wow, wow. Um, well, I think, John, that's, I, that's all the questions I had, Matt. Did you have any? any? No? No? John, anything else you wish to say or add? or? I'd just be really keen to hear from you guys. Like, what's, Has anything really surprised you? Oh, a question. From, from your chat? Like, what, with, with yeah, you? from this chat. Like, what, 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 what's been the most surprising thing? Like, what, if anything, I don't know. I'm surprised it was there was and it's not something really spoken about because I think there is too much to it in some ways so it might be something to speak about afterwards but you're talking as you were speaking you said oh the scientist in you something 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 and it was just interesting that obviously like and Ash mentioned it as a question before when we were just talking about it before the podcast about the you know science versus religion and the fact that you have the I don't know the ability or propensity to, to consider both at the same time I think is quite interesting um for sure. And I feel like the way that you're speaking is from a very new age, very relevant, very current way of thinking about religion in a context of now and how people can move forward as opposed to like what is in like the past. Um, yeah. So I find that quite interesting, actually, that that balance of really thinking about modern society as it currently stands. Cool. I mean, I would just say, to, I, think, I think that the, 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 the fallacy that science and religion need to be in any way kind of at odds is is something that needs to be addressed and it's tragic because it's more the best scientists and the best philosophers and the best theologians 
all the exciting stuff is at, is at this one, there's a wonderful, rich academic world of, of exploring the, the interface. And I would encourage anybody just go onto Amazon, tons of amazing stuff with your library. There's, it's very, very exciting. Um, so um, yeah, for another time maybe, but uh, mm. I think the, from, I, I still love the interface of science and philosophy and science and religion. And it's something that's kind of, I think has such richness and, and, it's fun and beautiful and sh people shouldn't be scared of it don't be scared that of the assumption that you can't explore both i think if you know of any in particular in your mind that stand out or just a couple of subjects we can post them just during the week after the the episode and just see if there's any that resonate with anyone sure yeah. listens. i think that'd be I've quite got, good i've got a few, a few a few recommendations of um science religion books some really cool mm. things awesome um john, john nothing there i think i've you know you and i are friendly and know each other long enough and well enough that I know a lot of your story and your history to not be shocked by any of it. <laughs> I could probably tell a little bit more than might shock some of the listeners. Uh, but, let's move on. <laughs> um, John, I would not swipe left if John showed up and said priest. I would be like, I'll match with you, oh, to be fair. I would. Oh, isn't that beautiful? Thank you, I just need someone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll and I heard you've got a lot of candles. Of course, of course. I'll I'll keep, I'll keep my eyes open, Matt. I'm sure we can find you a nice a nice well dressed um, Anglican priest for you. Okay, <laughs> Let's do I'll do that. That's the TV show. That is the TV show. <laughs> that is the TV show. Um, John, uh, thank you so much for giving up your time and joining our podcast. Um, my pleasure. Tell us your story. Great to see you guys. Lovely to chat. Always good fun. Yep. And can't wait until it's actually in person. Hopefully with a Guinness and a whiskey at the Sunflower in Belfast uh, as soon as possible. Best pub in Belfast. Um, yeah. But, John, you're going to stick around and you're going to uh, continue on with our little segment, um, which will come out on Monday. But for the sake of this episode, uh, we're going to just, I guess, say goodbye. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Bye-bye. See you bye -bye. later. Did you hear about our John? What a godsend. <laughs>